So for me, learning to care for plants was a gateway drug for many things that I like to say. But one of the things that was a gateway for me was to become more aware at how much growth opportunity I had back then to caring for the earth. Living in New York City for over a decade had me pretty disconnected from nature and knowing how much I needed to do my part when it came to taking care of our mother earth. When I connected with plants, I reconnected with nature and all of a sudden I found myself Googling composting, how to compost in New York City, zero waste living, and trying to figure out little shifts that I could make in my life to improve the well-being of our planet. Our guest today is on a mission to help the masses learn how to effectively care for the earth while caring for plants. So welcome back. Hey, plant friends. I hope you've had beautifully planty weeks. I certainly have as I'm enjoying the fall season. I'd love to take a minute and ask you a favor. If you've been enjoying the planty content that we've been putting out for you, would you mind taking a minute, picking your favorite episode? It could be this episode. It could be one recently and sending it to one of your plant friends. I would love for all of us to collectively share the show, and go inspire a plant friend with an episode that you think they would love today. So thanks in advance for doing that. Also, before we dive into this episode, I wanted to say a big welcome to our newest garden party members, Jana, Megan, and Amy. For those of you that don't know, I host the Bloom and Grow Garden Party, which is an online Facebook-free platform. It has an iOS and Android app, and I call it the plantiest and kindest corner of the internet. It's so fun. We've got conversation topics, regional groups to connect with local plant friends, a plant friends near me featured. We do community calls. It's so fun. And it's a wonderful way to support the show if you are interested in supporting the show and helping me get this show to as many people as humanly possible. Speaking of the show, let's talk about today's episode. We love Nick, Nick of Farmer Nick. He's an old plant friend of mine. If you have been listening to the show for a while, he was on the show about this time, I think two years ago at this point, about sustainable plant care. And we'll link the show notes in case you want to listen to that episode, which talked about how to live a more upcycled plant parent lifestyle. But today we dive in a little bit deeper, celebrating Nick's new debut book. It's really such an interesting conversation. And I love Nick's very specific take on plant care and earth care and the partnership that they can have and the importance of kind of using plants as a way to wake up to how much mother nature the provider of these plants that we love really needs our help right now so without further ado here's nick let's be real are you struggling with dry indoor air right now have you been waking up feeling dried out or like maybe like me sometimes waking up feeling like like croaking almost? Or have you noticed that your plants are starting to wither or maybe the ends of their leaves are starting to turn brown or curl? It could be a humidity issue. So enter AirCare, a humidifier company dedicating to bringing comfort and healthy humidity to your home and more importantly, your plants. There are so many reasons why people bring humidifiers into their home. They might be looking to increase humidity to hydrate their skin, to breathe more comfortably. Like I said, that waking up, you know, gasp in the morning is never comfortable. Maybe it's to soothe allergies, but obviously many of us in our planty community bring humidifiers home to increase humidity for our indoor plants. As most tropical plants that we like to care for are used to living in way more humid conditions than our homes. Personally, my home teeters between 25 to 35% humidity and plants tend to thrive more between 50 to 80% humidity. So I got two of AirCare's 27 different models, the Nova and the Mesa, and I love them both. 
They both have essential oil diffusers, which I'm obsessed with. If you read my book, you know how much I love essential oils. They have movable nozzles to direct airflow exactly where you want to send it and remotes for those lazy plant parents and us who don't want to get up to turn our humidifiers on and off. I got the Nova in my bedroom because it's sleek, black, blends in with our our bedroom vibe, and it has a big digital screen that's also my nightlight. And then my true love, and the one that I think our community will really love, is called the Mesa. I have it in my office, and it looks like it's made of wood. So plant friends, if you have like a beautifully styled plant nook or shelfie or area in your home with a lot of plants, stick that Mesa model in there, and it really just looks like this beautiful wood structure with dreamy little mist coming out of it. And Plant Friends, Air Care is offering an incredible discount exclusively to Bloom and Grow Radio listeners. So to keep you and your plants happy and hydrated, visit aircareproducts.com and use code BLOOM20 at checkout for 20% off site-wide. Once again, that's code BLOOM2020 at checkout at aircareproducts.com for 20% off site-wide. Welcome back to Bloom and Grow Radio, Nick. Thank you so much for having me, Maria. I... And just such a fan of you, everything that you do, and happy to be back. Oh, man. I'm in Arizona while we're doing this interview, and we're finally on the same time zone. I feel like every time we try and connect, we're always figuring out our, our time differences <laughs> with New York and L.A. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm on New York time no matter what, so I'll make it work for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm I'm happy to have you back as a repeat guest. The last time you were on the show was a while ago for an episode on sustainable living. And a lot has happened in the Farmer Nick brand in the last couple of years. So before we dive into our conversation, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners for those who might have not heard your first episode? Hi, everyone. My name is Nick Gitsumpas, also known as Farmer Nick on all things social media. I am a plant coach turned landscaper, uh, soon to be author, TV personality, anything green. I love it. And my mission is to just make the world greener than when I found it. Hell yeah. And, you know, it was fun to read your book. I mean, I've known you now for a couple of years offline, but it was fun to read your book because it reminded me of how many similarities we have. Number one, (laughs) (laughs) number one, Nick and I grew up like 20 minutes from each other. Uh, Not even, not even. It's super close. Which is so funny. So, you know, we've had these misconnections in uh, in Westchester, New York. So I'm excited to chat about your book with you because we've both been, we're plant killers turned plant educators and, and professional <laughs> plant people. Like, what the heck? <laughs> and when I started reading your book, I was, I started giggling. The intro to your book is almost exactly the same as the intro to my book. We had never seen each other's manuscripts, but it's like, hey, reader, I have a confession. I was a plant killer, but bear with me. I figured it out and I want to help you figure it out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're reformed. That's the key. Reformed. Reformed. Kind of active, still killing plants occasionally, but. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but, but it's, it's, I find it now because it it still happens every now and then. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but for me now it's like, oh, I forgot I had that plant tucked away in that corner and it's one of 140. Right. So It's it's not because I'm doing something wrong. It's probably because I need to cut down my plant collection, which I know we've talked about finding the, the right number before. The right number. Totally. So walk us through your plant parent journey, because I think 
these stories of, you know, moving from plant killer dumb to plant parenthood are always so interesting. And you've had a lot of different seasons, if you would, you know, not to use a planty pun, but you've had a lot of seasons where you focused indoors, you focused outdoors. Now you're a landscaper. You started as a houseplant coach. So can you kind of walk us through your journey? Absolutely. And, you know, I find plant metaphors and plant puns for everything, right? But like, it truly has been organic. And I started this back in 2014 after graduating from college, was living at home with my parents, was going to be starting a very corporate job at IBM in New York City. And my mom said, you know, if you're going to be living here rent free, you got to do something around the house. I was like, all right, well, like, what do you want me to do? And she said, well, why don't you start a garden? You love food. You love being outside. We had actually lost a tree during Hurricane Sandy the year or two prior. So there's this big plot of land back there. I say big. It was 14 by 20, right? Uh, but big for me. And she said, why don't you start a garden? I had no experience. I had never had a house plant in my entire life. We had no plants in our house growing up at all. And I said, sure, you know, I'll get my hands dirty. And from the moment I planted that first tomato and literally ate the fruits of my labor, I was like, oh my God, like this is it. This is my identity now. And I just jumped full on into it. So did that food growing in the backyard for six years, but had moved into New York City after three years. And when you go into New York City, you're literally in a concrete box. So I did the only thing that made sense, which was by a hundred houseplants to, to make it feel naturally. more like yeah, naturally, like what any sane person would do. <laughs> right. And from there, that's when the Instagram started. That's when I started taking on some, some friends as clients. And then those people started talking about it with other people. And it just kind of spiraled into this very kind of unexpected side hustle. I was still working a corporate job. I was taking on clients in the morning, in the evenings, on weekends, and those houseplant jobs turned into, hey, I've got a little balcony, or hey, I have a terrace, or hey, I have a giant corporate rooftop. Can you help me do this? And it has not stopped growing since. And now I do full-on landscaping, both commercially and residentially, in New York and here in L.A. Yeah, now you're installing. I have to say, I watched your TV, your newest TV show. You're, you're on Netflix, several different <laughs> TV shows. But um, Instant Dream Home that just came out, and I was tickled by the sensory garden you installed in your first episode. I loved that. I'm I'm getting so into the sense of smell after doing the research for my book that that made me so happy. No, that sensory garden, it, it was it was special. And for those who haven't seen it yet, the the woman who we were designing this home for, she had lost her vision. So to be able to create a garden experience that does not involve anything related to sight is a challenge, but yeah. to, to play around with texture, smells, to incorporate running water so you can hear something in the garden. Those are all super important things that even from a, from a houseplant perspective, you can achieve. It is still possible to achieve, but it's so important to just learn who your clients are and cater to them. And the instant dream home experience was just, I mean, it made me cry every single episode. <laughs> Truly. Oh my gosh. And yeah, I feel like as plant parents, like we focus so much on visuals, right? It's, it's all about the look. It's all about the Instagram photo. It's all about the curated shelfie, you know, which is great. And everyone should do that. But 
you know, we've got five senses. And if you go off of this, you know, biophilia thought that we evolved in nature, we're, you know, lit up by nature, there are other aspects of nature like sound and smell that are so powerful. And I remember when I started writing my book, I started listening to, I found like an eight hour YouTube video of like nature sounds. And I just feel, (laughs) yeah, which is perfect because you play it and that's your work day. And then when it ends, you're like, oh, maybe I should stop working. Or at least like it's a, it's a reminder, but it was, it was just so much nicer than to just be sitting in, you know, office sounds or, or nothing. Yes. When I wrote my book, it was full on nature sounds, running water, birds chirping. It felt very, very in touch with the the messages I was writing about. Totally. Totally. I know my next purchase I want to make for my office is like a little water feature. Like, you know, those little like Zen Ooh. water features that you get the nice trickling, trickling sound, but we'll see. Yeah. In the tw- I got to put it in the 2023 budget. I want to reflect something back about your journey that I think people really need to think about as a lot of us, the sense that I'm getting in my community is that people are starting to get a little overwhelmed in the pandemic. They got 200 houseplants. Now the world is opening up. All of a sudden they can't, they don't have the time to sustain, you know, whatever their plant collection was. You've had a very flowy plant parenthood experience from focusing (laughs) solely on your tiny edible garden to focusing primarily on your house plans to then doing urban gardening and figuring out how to do balconies and rooftops to now like being the landscaper on Netflix. And I think that's an important thing about plant parenthood is that our journeys can evolve and we don't need to feel so rigid in our plant number, right? Everybody now in their Instagram profile says, I have, you know, parent to 200 plants or 50 plants, but like, who cares about that number? Yeah, it it does not matter to me at all what your number is. If you had three plants, but those are the plants that you talk to every morning and you love them and they are healthy, that is fantastic. I don't think it should be a, a source of, of competition by any means. And for me, you know, my number has fluctuated. I travel a lot. I cut back on my number because I'm not going to make my, my, my roommates take care of hundreds and hundreds of plants because it's just not feasible. So whatever your number is, as long as you get enjoyment from it, and as long as you make that connection to nature in some way, that is the most important facet of this to me. A hundred percent. And you've got to give yourself the grace and the flexibility to change, you know, and to let go. I say going from 150 houseplants to 80 when we left the city was like the most freeing thing I ever did because I got to really dive into the plants that I had. I got to let myself get curious again about different plants that I had never had before that maybe I wanted to bring in. And if you stay so rigid in those numbers, then you don't, you don't even give yourself that chance to kind of continue cultivating that curiosity. Something you said in your book too, that really resonated with me that I've definitely gone through my different seasons of is approachable. And I don't remember the other word you used, but unfussy, like just having an approachable, not basic, but like salt of the earth approach to plant care and to plants. Because I think it's gotten kind of crazy on social media these days. So can you talk a little bit about that? (laughs) Yeah, I, I think approachability and relatability when it comes to our plants, be outdoor or indoor plants, is so, so vital. The reason being is because 
there's a lot of data. (laughs) There's a lot of science. There's a lot of overwhelming just information out there that you can find on Instagram, Google, books, what, what have you. And if you're just starting out, that can be a, so overwhelming to the point that you get paralyzed with this stuff. And it's not about how much you know. Because if, if I was a trained botanist, right, and I wanted to share very scientific, technical knowledge about plants, that might serve a certain crowd, right? Who's really niche, probably someone like me, who I would dive into that Mm -hmm. and really eat that up. Someone like you, but for someone who is really kind of just putting their, their toe in the water, if they see that they're like, Oh shoot, like this is a lot. I don't think I can handle this. So one of my missions from the very start was to make it fun, make it educational, make it approachable so that if someone looks at me and says, Oh, you know, that guy figured it out. And like, look, he had issues and he's acting like a plant and acting like a, you know, (laughs) literally talking to my human, right. As I'm explaining plant problems that just eases and takes away some of the stress associated with it. Because at the end of the day, I want more people to be plant parents. I don't want anyone to feel deterred or feel like they don't know enough and are not capable. So achieving that voice has always been a balance because I have taken the classes that New York Botanical Garden. I just got my master gardener certification in Los Angeles, right? I I have a lot of that data, but is that the data and the information what people really need to get started? It depends on who you are and what your starting point really is. Totally. You don't need to understand photosynthesis to keep a plant alive. (laughs) However, as long as you're dusting those leaves top and bottom, you're good. (laughs) You don't, right. You don't need to understand the equation, you know, but I also find that if you can keep it approachable, you know, when I look at the 160 episodes of Bloom and Grow, like the first couple of episodes are best house plans for beginners, like how to keep, how to stop killing your succulents. But then as you get more and more successful, you do get a little bit more curious and then you do have the opportunity to become a little bit nerdier. And now I have episodes on soil science. We've both taken soil science at New York Botanical Garden, one of my favorite classes I've ever taken. But You don't have to get that nerdy in order to care for plants. But the beauty of this hobby is that you can start and for years not know that much about plants, care for them successfully, have a beautiful philodendron trailing down your bookshelf. But for the rest of your life, there's always going to be something to learn about this hobby of ours. You know, you're never going to truly become an expert. There's always a new genus to learn about. There's always a new technique to try. I love that. It's it's a hobby you can really grow with for the rest of your life, should you choose, if that's your journey. And if your journey is having a couple of plants not die in your home, that's also cool, right? Like both, both are great. Exactly. It, no matter if you are becoming a very niche expert in a specific type of plant after years and years, or just waking up and saying good morning to the one plant on your bedside table, there is no difference to me in, in that love that you have for those plants. Totally. And it's so good. It's so good for the soul in whatever capacity. So when you were talking about plant care in your book, you had three, what were the names you had like? Um, Thrive, Survive, and Revive. 
Yeah, Thrive, Survive, and Revive, which I thought was really cool. Let's talk about plant death a little bit, because that's another when you talk about approachable plant care. People get so wrapped up in plant death and make it mean something about themselves, right? How many people have you met that are like, oh, I can't keep a plant alive. I'm a plant killer. I mean, I used to say that, right? What are your tips for people dealing with a plant that they just accidentally, you know, I don't want to say killed, but people who had a recent plant death on their hands? Yes. Uh, grief is real. <laughs> Green grief. It's one of those things where I think setting proper expectations for yourself before you even get started is so important. I think if you go into plant parenthood thinking, I'm never going to kill a plant, you're in for a rough you got problems. journey. Yeah. You've got, you got, you got problems. <laughs> you got because, problems. Because at the end of the day, some of it is truly out of your control. Yeah. And if I bring home a plant and it's doing great and I'm, you know, taking care of it and, and it's thriving, that makes me feel awesome. But just because a plant it maybe isn't thriving or passes away, that not necessarily on you. But to be fair, there is a lot of pre-work that you can do to assess your home and your ecosystem. I talk a lot about in the book this idea of viewing your home as a living, breathing ecosystem because the more you understand about your environment, the easier it will be to choose plants that will need minimal effort on your part. Because the ones that you typically are fussing over are the ones that maybe are not best suited for your space and you kind of have to go the extra mile to make sure that they're okay. But even so, I just had a, a beautiful alocasia succumb to mealybugs. I, I was treating it every single day by the book. They just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And eventually the plant wasn't going to make it. Now, Am I going to blame myself for this plant dying? Absolutely not, right? Like mealybugs happen, you know? It, it's not something that I think we need to to own 100% as plant parents. We got to give ourselves, as you mentioned, just some grace in that process because everything that you do is a learning experience. And if you say, oh, you know what? I tried doing this. It didn't work. But towards the end of that plant's life, I did this and it seemed to help a little bit more. I'm going to try starting with that intervention and be a little bit better next time. So your, your future plants will thank you for it. As long as you learned a lesson, right? Who cares? Like as long as you learned something, I'm giggling because one of the best performing Instagram reels in the history of my Instagram account is this thing I posted this week, which is me dancing with my dead corn plants, talking about how, to that viral song, Corn, talking about the three things that I didn't do, like the, the three reasons why I killed my corn. But I learned a lot from killing this corn. I learned a ton about just not just corn, but gardening. And I'm excited to try again next year, you know? Did the corn have the juice? I need to know. <laughs> the one mini cob that I grew had so much juice. It was there we so go. good. Can you imagine a more beautiful thing? I don't know. I know. Uh, <laughs> You're a corn connoisseur. I feel like you grow beautiful corn every year. It's always on your Instagram. You know, I did go viral a couple times for corn talk. Yeah. Uh, some, some rainbow corn. Glass gem is a beautiful variety. I've had a lot of success with it. And yeah, it's, uh, it's just truly a, a fun thing to grow, but also a heavy feeder and takes a lot of, of space and, and also nutrients to make sure it's good. But once you get it, the hang of it, it is so rewarding. Yeah. Totally. I'm excited to try again next year. Maybe I'll hit you up for some variety suggestions. <laughs> but yeah, this whole plant death thing I think is interesting. I also think 
there are seasons of life when a plant gets mealybugs and you want to treat it and you want to take care of it and try and revive it. And then there are seasons of life where you're like, the plant has mealybugs. I don't have the capacity. I'm putting it in the compost and, you know, moving on. As long as you, as you recognize those seasons, I love that you say that the seasons of life, right? Cause it truly is. As long as you can recognize where you're at. And if, if you trying to desperately save this plant that is truly not going to make it, if that's going to cause you even more stress and inhibit your ability to care for your other plants, then sometimes you just got to let it go. Yeah. You got to let it go. And now if you're like me, you know, my new favorite toy is a product that I know you love too, the Lomi, the tabletop composter. Oh, obsessed. Love the Lomi. Shout out Lomi. We love you. I just put all my ferns in my Lomi because I was like, I'm over (laughs) you. I'm over you. I've had these three ferns just like limping along and it was just time. It was time to just know that they're not suited for my home right now. And so I was like, well, at least I could compost them and, you you know, turn them into soil. <laughs> hey, as long as it's going back into the cycle, I don't consider that a loss. Totally. Another one thing I wanted to ask, because I've never heard it described this way, and I thought it was so interesting in your book. Can you talk about mindful neglect? Uh, one of my favorite, favorite topics. So... I found that the number one question people ask me when they come and see my space is, oh my gosh, how long does this take? Like how many hours are you spending per day to care for these plants? And they would be surprised when I said actually like two, three hours a week tops. And they're they're so confused by that. And I basically told them like, listen, like if, if I do my homework, and I pick the right plants for my space, they will ultimately take care of themselves with very minimal effort on my side. And they, I forget who it was. I think it was back in New York. Someone had said, don't you consider that like neglect, like you're neglecting your plants? And I said, no, I'm, I'm just mindful about it. And I was like, huh, mindful neglect. And it became a whole chapter in my book, which is basically just acknowledging that there is another being, another creature, another presence in your home. You're checking in with them to make sure that they're good, but it is not necessarily your 100% responsibility to be fussing over that plant 24-7. In fact, that plant will probably do better without you there. Plants have been around for millions and millions and millions of years. They're good. We're the ones who are relatively new and not as advanced in terms of, of our evolution. So, I treat that plant and and my whole plant family with that approach because I want to be able to check in with them, see how they're doing. I check in with my plants most every day just to see if there's any issues and be proactive about it. But that doesn't mean I'm doing anything. I'm just making sure that they're okay. And if they're not, then I can intervene and make some changes. But I find that mindful neglect also with any relationship, even human relationships, can be very effective because we are our own beings, we are our own people, and I want to view my plants as self-sufficient creatures and beings that just need a little bit of help from me. They don't need it all, and they'll be fine without me you know, being a helicopter plant parent. If you need a grow light, listen to me tell you about Soltech Solutions and my love for them. So we're in the fall, the leaves may be falling, but your plant leaves don't need to, even if it's getting cold and we're losing the light with the winter months approaching. With Soltech, you can bask your plants with plug-in sunshine and keep them happy and thriving all year long. 
The Soltec difference is in the warm color temperature of their lights, so you can keep your plant in your home without that ugly purple grow light look all winter. If you know, you know, right? Soltec's simple and elegant plant lights give your plants optimal light all year round while complementing your home's decor. I kid you not, plant friends, they seamlessly blend into your home. I have three of their aspect lights. I have one of their grow bulbs. You'd never know they were grow lights. They're just beautiful, modern light fixtures in my house that are keeping my plants happy and healthy. Whether you're looking for a pendant light, track lighting, or a simple bulb, Soltec's got your back. They offer quality products built in America with outstanding customer service, free shipping, and a five-year warranty. So get your own personal sunshine and keep your plants thriving with Soltec. Check them out at soltech.com and get 15% off with code BLOOM15. Once again, that's code BLOOM15, that's 1-5, for 15% off at soltech.com. Lomi, 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 my new favorite kitchen appliance. I can't talk enough about how much I love this product. If composting is something that you are interested in doing, but you cannot figure out the logistics, Plant Friends Lomi is the answer to your prayers. Billy and I are so obsessed. I cannot believe how easy it is to use the Lomi to turn our food waste magically into soil. It's wild. Every morning when we open the Lomi after running it, it's like Christmas morning. Okay, so what is the Lomi? It's a sleek, small countertop composter that can reduce your garbage footprint by up to 50%. You literally just take your food scraps for the day, including eggshells, coffee filters, all of it, all that jazz, put them into your Lomi, Press a button and in a few hours, the Lomi magically transforms all your food scraps into dirt that you can put in your houseplants, garden, garbage bin, or in my case, our local forest. I kid you not, plant friends, Lomi has changed our lives. I had no idea how much food waste we were throwing out every week, and I have noticed a drastic reduction in our garbage, and not to mention it doesn't smell anymore because you're just turning the smelly stuff into soil. It's great. And did I mention it ships in compostable packaging that you can literally put into your Lomi and compost? <laughs> Gosh, I love it. So join me on this composting journey and get one for yourself with this incredible offer. Lomi rarely does offers because they constantly sell out, but they're offering Bloom and Grow listeners a special offer. When you go to Pella, P-E-L-A dot earth slash bloom, and then use the coupon code bloom at checkout, you'll get $50 off your Lomi plus three months of Lomi pods for free. So the Lomi is definitely an investment. $50 is really rare for them to give off. It's going to go a long way. So you've got to go to the website Pella, P-E-L-A dot earth slash bloom, and then use the coupon code bloom at checkout for $50 off. You will not regret this investment. I am obsessed. Hot take plant friends. There is no one right starter plant. There, I said it. And you know what? While I'm at it, there are also no real plant killers in the world. There are just people who have not figured out their right plants for their lifestyle. This is why I created the free Plant Parent Personality Test. Because Plant Friend, I want you to get thriving alongside your houseplants as quickly as possible. So I made this cutie little Plant Parent Personality Quiz that's totally free for you on my website to take the guesswork out of building your plant collection effortlessly and joyfully. After speaking to thousands of members in our community, I realized that there are about five key plant parent personalities, each one with their unique set of strengths, weaknesses, and a unique set of plants that thrive under their care. For example, a mindful plant parent, someone who wants to engage with their plants daily, use them in their morning routines. If someone gifted that plant parent a succulent and they watered it every day, that succulent would die immediately. However... 
that drought-resistant succulent is a perfect match for a low-key plant parent, which is someone who travels, has kids, is busy, doesn't have time to engage with their plants every day. They're looking to engage with their plants more like once a week or once every couple of weeks. In addition, obviously, to understanding your light and basic plant care that we provide on this podcast, Happy Plant Parenthood is all about discovering your personality and then picking the right house plants to go with it. It's that simple. No more stressing over your collection. So what plant parent personality type are you, plant friend? All you got to do to find out is take my free quiz on my website and let me know. You can access it at growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality. After taking the test, you'll get an email with a list of plants, podcast episodes, and planty projects that I think would light you specifically up like a full spectrum grow light. So once again, that's growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality for your free plant parent personality test results. I see it, I feel like, a lot with beginner plant parents where they just don't want to fail like so bad that, you know, we see it all the time. Like over I've done it, overwatering plants because I want to make sure that they have the, you know, water that they need. But really it's just about chilling out and like letting the plant adjust to your home. And these mindful plant parents that, you know, usually overwatering is is the is their cause of plant death. And it reminds me, you know, whenever I leave for vacation, I have all this stress about my plants. And usually I, you know, pull them from my windowsills and I group them together and I leave and I think about the plants and I, you know, stress about it. And then I come home, they all have inflorescence. They've all bloomed. They're so happy. Thank goodness she left. (laughs) I know. Thank goodness she left, like left us alone, but it's true. Like they're designed to survive for the most part. And the ferns that I composted, they would have limped along for a long, long time if, you know, if I didn't just decide to move on. And, you know, there's that great meme of like the maidenhair fern, like growing out of a crack, you know. Oh my God. Maidenhair ferns. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like in the stone, you know, they'll thrive like growing out of a crack in the side of a mountain, but then they come into your house. And, but once again, circling back to like it being approachable And plant parenthood doesn't need to be this like really big stressful thing if you don't want it to be. It can be, right? You can choose if you want to spend hours a day. You can have maidenhair ferns and alocasia and all these plants that require a little bit more TLC and create that structure for yourself. But sometimes I fear that social media has just made it look like in order to be a successful plant parent, you've got to have these a crazy amount of plants and a crazy schedule and and all this stuff when when you really don't. Yeah. I, I could not agree more with that. And, you know, if you come into my house, I'm going to look like I'm a crazy person because there's going to be plants in the sink and I use my bathtub exclusively to water plants. I've taken one bath in there and that was about it for me. So like there's a certain, you know, look and an impression you get when you see that many plants. But at the same time, if you can just tell people like, listen, this is not a, a chore for me, right? This is actually my moment of Zen. Right. So in those hours that I'm spending taking care with of the, those plants, yes, it takes a little bit of time, not as much time as you might think, but I'm also appreciating that time and I'm using that time effectively, whether I'm listening to your podcast or I'm listening to music, right? That slows me down. And I don't think that we should view plants as this instant gratification thing that we just want to have right away. Instead, we just have to kind of you know, let it happen. 
and just say, okay, this plant is going to do its thing regardless of how much I want it to grow faster or I want that yellow leaf to change. And if you just accept that nature is taking its course, it will ease so much of that anxiety and make your plant care simpler and ultimately less time consuming. Totally. And, you know, checking in every day because it's a mindful mental thing and not a like, oh my God, the plant's going to die if I don't check in with it. I mean, I'd be lying if I, if I wasn't anxious every now and then, right? Like I, I have had, and this is more so in the beginning of my journey, but I had dreams, literal dreams of my plants dying. I know most plant people have, and I wake up in like a cold sweat. I run downstairs. I'm like, okay, everybody's good. And that we're, we're okay. But that, that has lessened over the years and you know, anyone who comes and looks at my plants, they wouldn't know if I spent a hundred hours or, or two hours, right? So I feel really good about where I'm at right now in my plant care. Yeah. That reminds me, you know, from my years as being an actress, when you're an understudy and a swing, what I used to do, which was like understudy a lot of different roles in a show, and you at any moment you could go on for any of these amount of roles, you have these what they we call them like swing nightmares, where you have a nightmare where you're like in the show, but there's an entirely new scene and you're not in your costume and you're on stage and like Oh my goodness. It's that subconscious like, you know, terror. And uh it's like the same thing with plants, you know, being scared they're all dead <laughs> when they're all fine. Yeah. Exactly. So another thing about you in general that I love, but also something that really showed up throughout this book is your passion for plants being stepping stones for more sustainable living. And I know this is something that I personally have definitely been on my own journey of stepping stones. We had a whole episode, you know, we'll link it in the show notes on how to uplevel your sustainability and your approach to plant parenthood, which was great. You gave so many great tips, but you had so many in your book. Do you want to hit us with a couple of sustainable tips for plant parenthood for anyone maybe looking to try and live a little bit more mindfully in that capacity with their plant collection? Absolutely. There are so many things we can do in our plant hobbies or just our practices that will be a little bit better for the earth. Because at the end of the day, and it's not lost on me that I am advocating for the earth through its consumption. And if I'm going to take something from Mama Earth, I got to make sure I'm giving it back in, in some form or fashion. And you know, and I talk about this a lot in the the book and these chapters specifically, but if I can get you to care about that small plant on your desk, what is that next evolution? Can I get you to care about the big plant we all live on? So it starts with these little habits. So from a plant perspective, eco-focused plant tips, I think number one, if you can do it, is to collect rainwater. Here in LA, it rains maybe five times a year. Like it literally rained last weekend and I was ecstatic because we've had a record drought. In New York, it's a little bit different, right? But even so, just to, even if you're living in an apartment with a little balcony, put out a bucket, all right, grab some rainwater, water your plants with it. They love it. The plants really respond quite well to it. Uh, I have rain barrels here that I've hooked up to my gutter system. You do? Yes, I set those up. What, is that, an, is that easy to do? Oh my gosh. It is the easiest thing to do. I I mean, this is like the most eco thing. I went on Facebook marketplace, found someone who was selling extra rain barrels, went and picked them up secondhand. And then I probably should have told my landlord about this, but like I just rerouted the gutter. There's a gutter spout that went down. All it is is just a couple of uh, screws into the side of the house. And I just rerouted it to my rain barrel. 
And now when I go out and I want to water, be it my outdoor garden or my indoor plants, I now have a hundred gallons of rainwater that I can tap into and it doesn't last forever, right? But I have enough that I can water plants for a good amount of time. So collecting rainwater, especially in areas like California, which are so drought stricken and are experiencing historic issues related to the climate, I think is is so, so great. Uh, On a smaller scale, tip number two, just the nursery pots alone drive me insane. There is so much waste when it comes to these nursery pots. They are not conventionally recycled. Uh, so you can't just throw them in your, your blue bin and expect that they'll get repurposed for anything. So I try and use them as much as possible, either in uh, my own seed starting. So they make great little vessels for just starting your seeds and you can just reuse them over and over and over again. I will oftentimes take cuttings, root them in there and then gift them to people. Not that I'm, you know, putting the responsibility on them by any means, but I'm certainly right. reusing something, <laughs> right? It off. It's, it's better than like a plastic bag or something like that. And then just cachet, right? If I have a new plant that I'm starting out and I have a beautiful pot for it that doesn't have a drainage hole, I might just cachet with a nursery pot inside of it and no one would ever know the difference. So reusing and repurposing those nursery pots is so, so important because, I mean, so little of our plastic gets recycled anyway. And knowing that this one is not at all recyclable just puts the onus on us to, to find new and creative uses for those nursery pots. And then the, the last one, which I think is super fun and creative, is creating your own little plant sliders. So for anyone who's had hardwood floors and doesn't want to scratch them up, if you have big pots that you're trying to slide around, you go and you get the felt pads from the store and you kind of stick them on underneath and that way you can slide them around pretty easily without damaging your floors. And I'm looking at these things and they always come in like a big plastic bag. I'm like, Oh, I hate this. I, I want to find a better way. And I went into my closet and I found an old pair of shoes and your shoes have shoe soles and cushiony bottoms that are pretty much the same thing. So I said, huh? And I just cut out a circle, super glued it to the bottom. And now I have sliders that I've made myself with shoes I wasn't wearing anyway. And now I've repurposed that without needing any additional materials at all. And I know, I know people listening have that pair of shoes in their closet that they don't wear anymore. And there, there's cushion there and you can, you can use that, be it, you know, just for sliding or just creating uh, space between the floor. It's a, it's a great little tip that anyone can do to just, you know, make their, their plant movement and their plant pots a little bit easier to manage. I love that. I've never heard of that before. That's really clever. Back to rainwater. I forgot to ask you at the top of our interview, because you recently moved, right? You moved again? Uh, yeah. So I'm in a new home in in Brentwood, LA. So what's your setup look like? Do you have a garden outdoors? I do have a garden outdoors. It is very much shaded. It's probably like tops four or five hours of sun back there. So it's a little bit tricky to grow veggies, learning a lot about native shade gardens, which has been fun. Okay. Uh, I actually even have a houseplant section out there. I say houseplant, they're all outdoor plants, right? Right. But with all that shade, that is equivalent to a pretty sunny window indoors. So I have Monstera out there. In some of the even shadier areas, I have my Begonia maculatas I've planted out there. It's been quite fun to, to see plants that typically were inside now being outside. So they've been thriving. 
Wow, that's so cool. And do you have a rooftop in your new place too? Because I know you had your lettuce grows on your rooftop and all your grow bags. Yeah, the uh, the rooftop was at the old place in Venice. Uh, this new spot does not have a rooftop. I still have the lettuce grows, which you know require a little bit more sun. So I typically stick with like leafy greens nowadays. But there, there's so much plant potential in this backyard. I've done a lot of work on it, and now I'm just trying to convince my landlord to to pay me to do the front yard because it's a disaster, um, and I just can't I just can't look at it because so much out here is also here being LA is lawn replacement. What can I do to remove grass? What can I do to plant more natives that are drought tolerant and can handle some of these conditions that we've put ourselves in? So it's a great place to be in terms of this kind of climate forward landscaping. But I wish I wish my landlord was willing to <laughs> to front the bill because I don't own this house. <laughs> don't take no for an answer. Just keep every just month, keep just pushing. keep circling back, circling back. You totally influenced me, like literally influenced me on social media to get a lettuce grow. And I have one. We have ours indoors and I have the grow lights for it. Yes. Which is great. And Billy, it was like our favorite before the Lomi, our favorite toy. And um, when we moved, we didn't reinstall it. And we're supposed to move one more time, but Billy and I keep being like, oh man, we want to let us, we want to reinstall it so bad, but it's, you know, to to set it up, fill it with water, break it back down. If we're moving in a month, we don't know if it makes sense, but we can't wait to get that up and up and running again. It's so fun to grow food indoors or out. Lettuce grow makes it really easy to do it indoors. I know, but man, it's in a month, you could probably get a good harvest, but it's a lot of, a lot of setup to just move it again. Yeah. To move it again. But yeah, that was so fun in the middle of winter, like, you know, harvesting my smoothie from my living room. That was great. Not so bad, right? (laughs) I miss it. Okay. Thank you for those sustainable tips. Those were awesome. Yeah. I mean, I really feel like the sustainability thing, you know, like with plants, you know, you get one house plant, then you get 10, then you get a hundred, then you're like balcony, then your lawn, then your landscaping. I think it's a very similar situation with you know, your interest in sustainability. And I found that myself from, from not being interested at all to, you know, living in New York city, doing our compost program to figuring out how to recycle and what plastics you do and what don't. And then it was very interesting when we moved to the country, we didn't have a compost program, which is why I'm so excited to finally have the Lomi, but also like figuring out country living of also we didn't have a garbage service. So figuring out our garbage and having to take our garbage to the dump made us so much more aware of all of the waste, you know, and the the food waste and also normal waste that we were consuming. And it is very interesting that I agree with you completely that plants can be this gateway drug to reconnecting us with nature and therefore making us realize how cruelly we've treated her. Oh, it's cruel does not even begin to (laughs) encapsulate everything that we've done. And I I think being in our society, which is built on capitalism and consumerism, it is very difficult to adjust and it's a slow moving ship for sure. I do think the ship is moving, which is good. For sure. For sure. I think that we cannot discount any of our individual impact, right? Yes. Yes. The corporations, like there's 10 corporations that are responsible for the vast majority of our, of our issues related to the climate. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive to model the behaviors that we want to see. And 
I think that plants, you are a great example of this, right? They have inspired and opened your eyes to new aspects of sustainability that you may not have been exposed to before. And for me, I always tell people all the time, like, especially with clients, like connect with your plants. If you want to name them, if you want to talk to them, if you want to do whatever it is that you build a relationship with them, do it because you are building empathy for the planet in the process. And I know from a botanical scientific standpoint, you shouldn't anthropomorphize your plants and you shouldn't give them human characteristics. Why not? Why <laughs> yeah, not? Why not? <laughs> the average person owning plants is not running scientific studies on these things. But if, if that naming and that empathy that you've created allows you to think differently about your role in this ecosystem that I alluded to earlier, what is that going to lead to? Mm -hmm. Is that going to be more trips to the farmer's market? Is that going to be bringing reusable bags to the grocery store? Is that going to be trying a plant-based diet or just, you know, cutting back on certain things that you would normally buy new and now you're buying them secondhand? It is all a stepping stone. And I think plants are kind of that botanical bridge that are connecting people to nature in a world that we are very disconnected, especially if you're living in a city. <sighs> totally. And I feel like, too, I know that you are such an exemplary plant-based person. That is definitely the far I am that is the farthest down my journey, right? <laughs> Me and my husband. My husband That's is a, a tough meat one. eater. That is a tough it's one. Tough. And as my Italian upbringing, like that is a real, that's a real stretch for me, even though I, I have been vegan twice before, but in terms of a lifestyle change, that will be a tremendous lifestyle change. But I have even noticed this year as I started doing, you know, I have 25 grow bags this year trying to grow stuff on my balcony and, um, I noticed a lot of my lunches all of a sudden were the vegetables and the tomatoes I were I was growing and meat became a much smaller focus. And I think the more we grow and the more we fill our lives with plants, the less we will be attracted to that. And you know, in no way am I committing to be vegan right now because that's going to be a long change and you know, I've got to work with my partner on that too. But is something you said to me on our last podcast interview, which really stuck with me and which I've quoted you a lot about is we don't need 10 people doing a hundred percent more. We need a hundred percent of the population doing 10% more. And that 10% over time changes and grows and becomes larger. And I think it's, it's all part of that journey. So just asking yourself, what's one thing I can do to kind of call in a more sustainable lifestyle. And when you figure that out, okay, what's the next thing and how can I just keep kind of evolving, going back to approachable is a much more approachable way to communicate and support, you know, mother nature and, and our lifestyles than feeling like all of a sudden you've got to become this vegan upcycled, like person <laughs> out of nowhere, you know, upcycled person. I love that. Uh, just this upcycled person. <laughs> yes. I'm just bits and pieces just put together secondhand, right? Um, I couldn't agree more with you. I think it's all about just you level up, right? You, once you reach yeah. level two, then you're on to level three. And you don't have to get to level 10 tomorrow, right? It's, it's a process. And, you know, having support systems, whether it's partners, friends, people you follow on Instagram and support, having those people there to provide encouragement and not shame, which sustainability shaming is a whole, whole other conversation. But 
you need to be encouraged. And to motivate people, you need to show them a way that they can get attached to and grab onto versus just solely talking about the terrible state that we're in, because that is not very motivating for most. Yeah. There's one thing everyone can do, right? I mean, there's one simple shift that everyone can do and it's about focusing on that. And I think you're right. Being less judgmental in general, that's like what our world, you know, and that's my whole thing. I'm like, I love your, if you're empathetic to a plant, you're empathetic to the world. My kind of thought is if you're empathetic to a plant, you're empathetic to other people, you know, like you can Mm -hmm. learn our, like we need to listen to each other more and, and have more empathy for, for people that are different from us. And I feel like the last couple of years, we haven't really been experiencing that it's call out before call in, you know, and I don't know, I feel like plants can be a huge part of that. Absolutely. Maybe we should have had some more plants in the White House a couple of years ago. Maybe that would have made things better. You know, maybe <laughs> they should have hired Nick, the plant coach to green up. Oh my God. That is great. The new, the next, whoever wins this next race, the White House should just be completely biophilic. That should be the next. Mm, just you make should it a run greenhouse. For, maybe <laughs> you should run for president and maybe, you know, have oh, the no, biophilic no, no. White House as <laughs> or offer it. You should offer it to whoever's running. <laughs> Small town mayor is going to be good enough for me one day. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, In taking these steps on our journeys, you meet people at eye level in their sustainability journey. No matter where you are in your sustainability journey, Nick has some sort of resource and some sort of insight and lesson for you to learn. So where can people find you and where can people get this book of yours? Yes. So all of it's going to be on farmernick.com. I've got a page there for my book. No matter where you are in the world, you can get it. And that's all the handles, just Farmer Nick. Instagram is the main one. And, you know, watch IDH, Instant Dream Home on on Netflix. If, if you love home renovation and you love to cry, then great. It's a perfect show for you. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to love it. And your team is so great. And your little bromance with um, the carpenter is so cute. You, the uh, two of you are so cute together. Eric and I, are we are, we are good buddies. I miss it. Yes. So sweet. And the book is called Plant Coach. Yes, Plant Coach. We'll link to it in the show notes. Go follow Nick. Maybe we can have, you know, a a check-in in in a few months, a sustainability check-in from you to come back on the show. But um, thanks for everything you do, Nick, and thanks for being my plant friend. Thank you, Maria. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Nick, for this conversation. Go buy his book. It's awesome. I've gotten a sneak peek at it. It's so cute. The photos are great. He's a great writer. And it's not like the other plant books out there that we have right now. So uh, all the links to buy his book are in the show notes and also to follow Nick because he's got so much great content out there, especially if you are interested in sustainable living. He's definitely someone you have to follow. Thanks again to our most recent Garden Party members, Jana, Megan, and Amy. I can't wait to continue getting to know you in the kindest and plantiest corner of the internet, the Bloom and Grow Garden Party. If anyone's interested in joining us and supporting the show, you can click the link in the show notes. And like I said, if you liked this episode, if you know a sustainably minded plant friend that might enjoy the show, go ahead and click the copy link in your podcast player and shoot it off in a text to your plant friend who might enjoy it. All right, plant friends, I hope you have a beautiful week where you grow joy, where you live sustainably, where you love Mother Earth and continue to get 1% better when it comes to this beautiful hobby that we have. And until next time, keep blooming and keep growing joy. 
Plan friend, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, make sure that you're subscribed to the show on your preferred podcast player so you never miss an episode. And while you're there subscribing, if you wouldn't mind clicking over to the review section and leaving us a review, that would be tremendous. Reviews are so helpful for the growth of the podcast, so thank you so much in advance. If you're looking for more opportunities to grow as a plant parent with Bloom and Grow content, we have so many fun options for you that I want to tell you about. First off, there is the free Bloom and Grow plant parent personality test. It's free, it's super fun, and it only takes three minutes to complete. You take the test and you get your plant parent personality profile. And with that, you get a list of your strengths and weaknesses as a plant parent. And most importantly, my curated list of plants, projects, and podcast episodes that are perfectly suited for you and your planty interests based on your results. The test lives at bloomandgrowradio.com slash personality and can always be found in the show notes of this episode. Okay, plant friends, here's the really good stuff. If you are looking to really grow and up-level your plant parent skills this year, I cordially and proudly invite you to join the Bloom and Grow Virtual Garden Society, rooted in high-quality education and plant community. Plant friends, this is not your grandma's garden society. It's virtual and therefore connects you with plant friends around the world, accessed via our proprietary garden party platform and app, and has the best educational and community-based content and resources available to anyone. When you join, you get immediate access to the entire Bloom and Grow Garden Party platform and app, which is our exclusive space, off social media, algorithm-free, troll-free, with tons of amazing ways to meet other plant parents like you, like regional groups, daily conversation prompts, and even a plant swap space, which is pretty cool. And in addition to that, you get all of the exclusive premium society content, which is three monthly live calls with myself and our horticulturist in residence and beloved Bloom and Grow radio guest, Leslie Halleck all in the interest of helping you grow. Leslie hosts monthly Node of Knowledge plant science lectures and monthly office hours, which we call AHAs or Ask Our Horticulturist Anythings, where you can troubleshoot your personal plant collection problems with her. Think about that. You have access to a horticulturist to troubleshoot your personal plant care issues. So amazing. And then I host monthly Growing Joy calls for community development and to explore the plant care, self-care aspect of plant parenthood. Plus, when you join, you not only get access to the upcoming live calls, but you get full access to all of the replays of previous calls and lectures, like the Science of Plant Dormancy or Grow Lights 101 and beyond. So you can binge your way to your best year yet of plant parenthood. Please come join us. We're having so much fun. Learn more by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting jointhegardensociety.com. For anything else, plant friend, I'm here for you. Feel free to drop me a line when you have an idea for an episode, an event, or even if you're a planty business interested in sponsoring the show. And of course, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily planty silliness, musings, and behind the scenes podcast content. Thank you again for listening to Bloom and Grow Radio. It is my true honor and delight to always help you keep blooming and keep growing. friends, propagate knowledge, and grow some freaking joy. That's the motto of the Growing Joy Garden Society app and platform, otherwise known as the plantiest and kindest corner of the internet. If you've been an OG listener or a longtime listener, you might also know this app and platform as the Bloom and Grow Garden Party, but with the rebrand, we've rebranded it to the Growing Joy Garden Society. No trolls allowed, kind plant friends only. 
And if you haven't heard about the society yet, Plan Friend, you got to join. It's my online community that you can access via iOS or Android app or on your computer that I built to connect our international community of plant friends so we can all nerd out together about plants and celebrate our passion for our beloved plant babies. We have members literally all over the world. I'm so in love with this community of sweet plant friends. I can't say enough amazing things about them. But also there's a lot of really cool features about the app you might be interested in. There's dedicated hashtags to all sorts of different subsects of planty passions like houseplants, gardening, plant-inspired DIY projects, growing joy, plants and pets, and so many more. There's a plantrepreneur group, so if you're a planty entrepreneur and you want to connect with other planty entrepreneurs, you can join that group to connect and network. There's a plant swap section, plus the entire app, and this is my favorite part, is entirely searchable. So say you want to learn more about Hoya, you type the word Hoya into the search bar and literally every post ever created about Hoya will pop up so you can click in, see what other people have been posting about Hoya and learn on your own and crowdsource hair information. It's so cool. But last but not least, it's an amazing way to support the show. Your monthly membership not only goes to sustaining the platform, but it also supports my team of editors, writers, and a community manager that help the world of Bloom and Grow keep growing. So come join us. All you got to do is go to jointhegardensociety.com and sign up for the community plan. Once again, you go to jointhegardensociety.com and click the community plan. Hot take plant friends, there is no one right starter plant. There, I said it. And you know what? While I'm at it, there are also no real plant killers in the world. There are just people who have not figured out their right plants for their lifestyle. This is why I created the free Plant Parent Personality Test, because Plant Friend, I want you to get thriving alongside your houseplants as quickly as possible, so I made this cutie little Plant Parent Personality Quiz that's totally free for you on my website to take the guesswork out of building your plant collection effortlessly and joyfully. After speaking to thousands of members in our community, I realized that there are about five key plant parent personalities, each one with their unique set of strengths, weaknesses, and a unique set of plants that thrive under their care. For example, a mindful plant parent, someone who wants to engage with their plants daily, use them in their morning routines. If someone gifted that plant parent a succulent and they watered it every day, that succulent would die immediately. However... That drought-resistant succulent is a perfect match for a low-key plant parent, which is someone who travels, has kids, is busy, doesn't have time to engage with their plants every day. They're looking to engage with their plants more like once a week or once every couple of weeks. In addition, obviously, to understanding your light and basic plant care that we provide on this podcast, Happy Plant Parenthood is all about discovering your personality and then picking the right house plants to go with it. It's that simple. No more stressing over your collection. So what plant parent personality type are you, plant friend? All you got to do to find out is take my free quiz on my website and let me know. You can access it at growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality. After taking the test, you'll get an email with a list of plants, podcast episodes, and planty projects that I think would light you specifically up like a full spectrum grow light. So once again, that's growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality for your free plant parent personality test results. (music) 